This lesson is Jesus over all, and we find this in the background passages of John chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 1. Now, the lesson finds Jesus in the midst of a very tense debate with Jewish authorities over his healing of a blind man. The crowd had confirmed that this man was born blind, and Jesus had revealed that those who didn't believe his miracles were actually spiritually blind. He went on to point out a distinct divide between those standing around him, those who followed him and those who did not. Jesus is the good shepherd, but not all Jews were his sheep. Jesus didn't mince words when it came to his role among the Jews. He is the good shepherd. This wasn't revolutionary teaching or heretical verbiage. He taught and others followed. He'd made a name for himself across the Galilean and Judean lands as one who taught with authority and healed. The Pharisees didn't like that he operated outside of their realm of expertise, and few and a few of them even attempted I mean very few even attempted to listen to his words with sincerity. Now, in today's passage, Jesus made a claim that drew enough attention to lead to his death. He wasn't only a shepherd, he is actually God. So the first point of this lesson is the son works. The son's works reveal his deity. And we're going to find this in John chapter 10, verses 22 to 28. Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah... Tell us plainly. I, I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you're not, one of, my, you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, we hear John is setting the stage for this discussion. It's in winter in Jerusalem at the Festival of Dedication, also known as Hanukkah. We can picture a large Jewish crowd gathered for such an event. Wintertime may have led to Jesus' choice to walk along Solomon's colonnade, a long covered pavilion that would have provided some shelter from the cold. This passage does not immediately follow John chapter 7 or John chapter 7 verse 1 to chapters 10 verse 21 as those events happen during the feast of shelters which occurs in mid-October. But the religious elite had not forgotten their disdain for Jesus. The Jews surrounded him. The original Greek verb is used, this original Greek verb is used only four other times in the Bible, and three of them deal with a military maneuver. These were people who did not follow Jesus or desire to know him, and they came in a very threatening manner. 
Listen to their question with that understanding. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Now, on the surface, it might seem like Jesus hadn't clearly revealed himself. But nothing actually could be further from the truth. In John's gospel alone, Jesus had already identified himself as the bread of life, the light of the world, the I am, the gate for the sheep, and the good shepherd. Jesus hadn't hidden his identity from them. Instead, their unbelief led them to seek the final nail in the coffin for their claim of his blasphemy. The hostile Jews even led Jesus to what they wanted him to say. If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. This Greek word for plainly, parousia, appears nine times in John, but only once in all the other Gospels. It refers to being bold, unreserved, confident, and very assured in speech, both in its publicity and its fearlessness. Though Jesus was never afraid of the Jews' opinions, he often spoke in parables, which he sometimes explained to his disciples, often saying that those who have ears to hear will hear, but those who don't won't. Again, this is a case of belief or unbelief. No matter how Jesus answered the Jews' presence, would still they'd still live in unbelief. They were really waiting for something to judge him for. Though Jesus knew their intentions, he answered them very boldly. I did tell you, and you don't believe. These Jews had heard Jesus' teachings to the crowds as well as in the temple. The problem wasn't that they hadn't heard him speak. The problem, again, was that they didn't believe what Jesus had said. Even if Jesus hadn't told them who he was, his works had, had actually shown it to them. The word for works is the same one Jesus used when he told his believers to let their light shine so that others may see their good works and give glory to their Father in heaven. A person's works reveal intent. Jesus had invited all to inspect his works, his miracles, healings, blessings, and even more and hold them up to the heart of God. In verse 26, Jesus brought the topic back to the sheep. These Jews didn't believe because they were not his sheep. His sheep heard, and they actually understood his voice. He knew them, and they obeyed. The Jews crowding around him did none of those things. And because of that, they would never know the promises given to the sheep, eternal life, in eternal security. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Just as Jesus' works revealed who he is, our works reveal who we are today. Jesus' sheep, Jesus sheep or not. Believers cannot see into another person's heart, but we can see the signs of genuine faith in their thoughts, their words, and even their actions. The Jews had sought one specific identity from Jesus. Are you the Messiah or not? It might seem that he had evaded their question, but that's not the case. He answered plainly, just as they had asked. Now, The second point of today's lesson is the son's, son's claims reveal his deity. 
And we find this in John chapter 10, verses 30 to 39. I and the Father are one. Again the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Isn't it written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called those to whom the word of God came, gods, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world? Because I said, I am the Son of God. If I am not doing my Father's work, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and you will understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Then they were trying again to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. So let's break this down. I and the Father are one. This is Jesus who seemingly had been born normally of human parents, grown up in Galilee, and inspired a band of loyal followers, and he was claiming to be God himself. This didn't mean that God the Father and God the Son were the same person. In fact, they're really not. They have different roles in our world today as well as in its past and future. They are two of the three persons that comprise the one nature of our one triune God. That was all Jesus needed to try to pinpoint. Jesus is a blasphemer, so they picked up rocks to stone him. Where did they get those rocks? Did the Jews bring these stones? We really don't know. But the venom in their hearts makes it possible. These sons of Abraham are ready to kill the promised seed of Abraham for his words, without a trial and without the permission of the Roman government. Jesus wasn't afraid, though. He calmly asked which of his works was worthy of the death penalty, which teaching, which healing, which exorcism, which provision. The Jews revealed their thinking. They weren't stoning him for a miracle, but for blasphemy. The idea of blasphemy can be applied to virtually any religion in our world today, particularly in speaking disrespectfully or irreverently against a god or sacred thing. The biblical definition points to cursing or insulting God and the penalty was stoning. These Jews could imagine nothing more blasphemous than claiming that a human was God. In one sense, can you imagine someone today claiming to be God? We would think they were crazy too, but what if that person did miracles and loved people beyond normal and their words and actions were actually consistent? We'd be a fool not to listen and at least test the evidence unless our hearts were so completely hardened. Ironically, the Jews here judged Jesus for his claims. Despite seeing his good works, in contrast, their lack of good works revealed that their claims to be that revealed that their claims to be the people of God were actually inconsistent. Jesus responded to their accusation with a verse from Psalm 82. In that setting, God is standing in the divine assembly, and he is pronouncing judgment among the gods. 
But here, the idea of gods can mean either heavenly beings or earthly rulers. Jesus drew out the second definition. Anyone with authority over another is a son of the Most High. Jesus said that God set up the idea that earthly rulers can enact judgment as a son of God, and God's word cannot be broken. Jesus isn't often listed with the famous philosophers, but his line of reasoning here is brilliant. He connected the dots between God, the Old Testament, and himself to clearly reveal that he is one with the Father. Also, he invited his opponents to inspect his works and hold them up to a heavenly standard. If I am not doing my Father's works, don't believe me. This significant challenge revealed just how clearly Jesus is the light and walked in the light. He offered up his entire life to scrutiny. Jesus revealed God in everything he did. In his words, his attitude, relationships, miracles, teachings, compassion, and literally everything that could be observed. Jesus revealed that he is God. His life backed up his claims. Though accusations of blasphemy would eventually lead Jesus to the cross, this was not the actual appointed time for that. The Jews attempted to seize him, but he escaped. The word translated escaped is actually a verb that means to come from or to come out of. It's used to describe demons coming out of people, crowds come out of a city, and Jesus' fame coming out in the land. Jesus simply walked past them and went on his way. Now next we'll look at Jesus from outside the Gospels. Turn the Turn to the book of Hebrews to see what this book reveals about the fact that Jesus is divine. So we're going to look at the third point, the sun's radiance reveals his deity, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he spoke to us. He has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, there's no consensus on who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some Bible scholars actually think it was Paul. But many others disagree. We can just we just simply have to accept that it's not something God felt we particularly needed to know and worry about. But scholars all agree that this writer is an expert in Jewish law and Jewish history, and that he ties it in perfectly with the gospel. He begins by linking the Old Testament to the New. Long ago, God spoke through his prophets. Now, he speaks through his son. The prophets of the Old Testament were the men who spoke God's messages to people. Many associated prophecy with the telling of the future. And sometimes prophets did just that. But they also spoke of judgment, instruction, conviction, or any other word that God needed his people to hear. 
We can flip through the major and the minor prophets in the Bible, but the list also includes Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and more. God spoke at different times and in different ways. He used nature, dreams, symbolism, and all kinds of messages straight from the mouths of the prophets. God was not confined to any particular type of delivery. He could, he could do what he wanted. For that reason, he had every right to send his greatest message in the form of a human, Jesus, his only begotten son. We can learn all we really need to know about God's character and nature in observing who Jesus is. Studying the gospel gives us the clearest answer to the question, who is God really? Since God is the sovereign Lord and King of everything, he has the divine right to use his authority, and so he appointed Jesus as the heir of all things, the only one who has authority over that creation. We also see in these verses that God's creation came through his Son. We see his fingerprints on all that was made. This passage with Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, and then again John verses 1, John chapter 1, excuse me, verses 1 and 2, gives us a beautiful image of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all together as they call the universe into existence. In John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. In John 14, 9, he said, The one who has seen me has seen the Father. The author of Hebrews actually confirms these two statements here. The Son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact expression of his nature. The concept of radiance holds in it an idea of brightness, radiant splendor, and glory. We see this truth from John's Gospel that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, and we have seen His glory. The glory is the Son from the Father. Jesus perfectly reflected God. The Hebrews author next explained that Jesus is the exact expression of His nature. The Greek word for expression points to an instrument used for engraving, carving, stamp, or stamping a figure. God has an identity. And that very character is etched, stamped, or engraved in Jesus. Not only did Jesus create all things, but he sustains all things by his powerful word. The stars keep burning. The planets keep spinning. The cells keep multiplying. And the universe keeps moving through the power, the plan, and the purpose of God, the Son. Dust on your furniture reminds you that your skin cells are still slopping off and are being replaced. An atmosphere that turns oxygen into carbon dioxide and back again points to the involved, hands-on work of God the Son. As if all that weren't enough, Jesus himself stepped into our skin, took our sin upon himself, and allowed his own body to become our perfect sacrifice once and for all, purifying us before the Father. He perfectly revealed that God so loved the world, dying so that we might live forever with him. When that was finished and he was raised from the dead, he took his seat in the heavens 
at the right hand of the majesty on high, as King of kings and Lord of all, Jesus sits upon his throne in glory. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and I just pray for the, for those that are sick and hurting, that you would just reach out your loving arms of grace and mercy and just raise them up. And Lord, I just pray for anyone that is having a problem today, that you would just come to them and comfort them and guide them through that problem. And Shalom, there is always hope through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for everyone that listens to this lesson, that you would just guide and direct them this week and show them who they might share this hope with. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen.